Hey there. Thank you so much for checking out this message with us at Believer's Chapel. Our prayer is that you have a genuine experience with God and that you're able to connect with him in a deeper way as a result of listening to this message. Thank you again. God bless you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And today, does everybody know what today is? Today is day seven. Yes, Daniel got it. Today is day seven, which means we are finishing our first week of prayer and fasting. Day seven of 21 days of prayer and fasting. So how is everybody doing? Has everybody found something that you can fast from? Most people. Do you ever feel maybe like someone is judging the way you're fasting? Or is that just me? So I, Libby and I were shopping yesterday at Aldi. And we had to buy some snacks for the concession stand at their basketball games, okay? So I got, I had this huge box of snack-sized chips in my arm. And I'm walking out of Aldi like this. And as soon as the door opens, I look up and there's Don Jackson, who is an elder at our church. And if you've ever been here in person, then you have met Don Jackson. And as soon as I saw him, the first thing I said was, these are not for me. (laughs) Now, of course, Don Jackson was not judging what I was buying at Aldi, but sometimes we can kind of feel like, you know, even as we're taking communion, you know, is somebody looking, do I take the gluten-free or do I take the regular communion crackers? Listen, we're not here to judge your fast. We have a journal here that follows the total stewardship program that that I developed that cuts out gluten, dairy, sugar, and processed food. And some of us are doing that full total stewardship fast. And some of you are just fasting from one or two things. And some of you are fasting from um, video games or social media or something else besides food. It doesn't matter what you fast. The point is that you choose something that's going to be challenging for you, but doable. Something that's not going to be so overwhelming that you want to give up. So one of the things Don said after I blurted out, this is not for me. He was asking about fasting, how things were going and telling me about his fast. And he said, you know, it reminds me of, so yesterday was day six when I ran into him. He said, it reminds me of a rocket taking off from earth. He said, in the beginning, it's really, really hard, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. But then there comes this moment, and it's usually around day three or four, this com- there comes this moment where you break through the atmosphere, and then you're soaring. And he said, I'm at that point now where I feel like I'm soaring. Is anybody else at that point yet? You feel like you're soaring? If you're not, don't give up. Don't quit. Because that moment is coming. And sometimes it does not come until the fast is complete. Until you have fulfilled your commitment. And then you experience that breakthrough. And then you experience that soaring past earth's atmosphere into the heavenlies. Amen. Now the purpose of this 21 day fast is not just to do something hard. It's to glorify God in our body, in our mind, and our spirit. And when we do that, when we use our temple to glorify God, to worship him, then we flourish in the way that he created us to flourish. Do you believe 
that God created you to flourish? Do you really believe that? Because I believe that with all my heart. But 15 years ago, I did not believe that. 15 years ago, I was floundering and withering. I was not flourishing. And this is why it's so important to me to see Christians pursue health in their body and their mind and their spirit because I've experienced in my own life what happens. Is that Jesus? Hello? <laughs> what happens when we do not have that health? So, you know, when I, a lot of you have already heard my story, you know, how when we, uh, Dan and I got married when we were about 27, and up until then, you know, I was single, so I would have, I would come home from work and I would have yogurt for dinner or a bowl of cereal or something like that, and weight was never really an issue for me, but then we got married, and I started cooking meals, and I started cooking really carb-heavy meals with a lot of processed food. I did, stovetop was one of my favorite side dishes. I repent <laughs> in sackcloth and ashes. We, did a, we probably ate out for dinner as much as we ate at home. And, and my weight just kept going up and up and up. I probably gained about 20 pounds in the first year or two of marriage. And one of the things that I realized is as my physical health tanked, my mental and emotional health tanked as well. So by the time I was pregnant with Zach, I was so sick of trying to lose weight. I was so sick. Like I had this mentality of what exercise can I do that I can do for like four weeks and then I'll lose weight and I can go back to regular life, right? So it was this constant like up and down, up and down. And I was sick of it. So I said, I'm just going to eat whatever I want and I'll, I will lose the weight after the baby's born. That was a very bad idea. Now my, my physical health tanked even more. I had a huge baby because he was 10 pounds because all I ever fed him was sugar. And after he was born, I had... Um, I had very low mobility. It was hard to move around. It was hard to breathe. It was hard to get out of bed. My, I was overwhelmed with anxiety all of the time. I was depressed. And I knew that when you're in that place, you know you should eat healthy food and you know you should exercise. But when, you're, when your mental health and emotional health is in the tank, how easy is it to make healthy food choices and choose to exercise? When you have no energy, it's incredibly difficult. So we all know, you know, what we do in our physical health has an impact in our mental and emotional health. And also that our mental and emotional health impacts our physical health. Because it's really hard to get healthy physically when you're, you're just battling to function mentally or emotionally, right? But let's look at our scripture verse again from 1 Thessalonians 5. This is the, the verse... Our, our overarching theme verse, remember? Now may the God of peace himself, God is a God of peace. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have peace. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make you, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful he will do it. Now, when I, I remember having this conversation with my sister when I was really like at my lowest in my physical and mental health. I was at my absolute lowest. And I, 
our life was good. You know, I loved my husband. I loved my, my toddler, Libby, and my newborn, Zach. I loved my family. I loved being a stay-at-home mom. But I did not have any joy, and I did not have any peace. I had anxiety, and I had struggle, and I had discouragement. And I remember talking to my sister and saying, I was talking to her about the fruit of the Spirit, which is Paul describes this in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and that last one that we don't like to talk about very much, self-control or self-discipline. And I said, can you even imagine? The two biggest ones for me were joy and peace. I had those like, I'm like, I do not have any joy and I do not have any peace. And I said to her, can you even imagine living a life where you actually have the fruit of the Spirit? Can you even imagine that? Like it was so, I couldn't even comprehend it at that point. Can you actually imagine having joy and peace? Like that's the regular state of your life? Well, what happened was um, Gina Rohde had, does anybody remember Gina Rohde? Yes, she is awesome. She had a Zumba class here one Friday night. And I said to my sister, all right, she's, it's this dance fitness class, right? I'm like, let's go to Zumba. Let's go, go to church. It was all women. Let's go do this dance fitness class. So we came here. We had one hour of dance fitness. I was like mid in my mid-30s then. And I had a migraine that lasted from that class until Monday morning from a one-hour fitness class. And I woke up on Monday morning, and I was like, this is insane. I am way too young to be this out of shape. So I started to change the way that I was eating. I started to exercise more. And what I didn't realize was over the year, the next year or two, I mean, I was mostly focused on weight and fitness. But over the next year or two, as I started to eat real whole food, you know what I mean by that? Vegetables, fruit, meat, eggs, real food, and exercise. What happened was my mental health, it was like I started, I was in this downward spiral. And all of a sudden, the downward spiral halted and turned around. And things started to, in my whole health, my body, my mind, my spirit, my emotions started this upward spiral. And after a couple of years, the anxiety was almost completely gone. And I didn't even, like, I wasn't even doing it for that. I didn't even know that was going to happen. It was just, I was just amazed. And now today, it's about 15 years later, and anxiety is a non-issue in my life. It is a non-issue. And let me tell you, that is a miracle because it was my whole life 15 years ago. All day, every day, nothing but anxiety, and it is a complete non-issue now. Now, let's look back at this 1 Thessalonians, verse 24. One of the things we talked about last week is at the end of this, this, this verse 24, it says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Now, there are two mistakes that we make when it comes to being stewards or caretakers of our health. And the first one is that we think that we need to do it all on our own. It's all up to me. I just have to set my willpower. I have to make the right choices. I have to figure out. I have to do it. The second mistake that we might make is we just think it's all up to God. We say, I'm just going to pray and say, God, make me healthy. 
and sit back and wait for something to happen. But the truth is those two things need to come together. It's the soul and the spirit coming together, working together. God invites us to partner with him. He gave us a free will and we need to use that free will to submit to him. And when we do that, then our lives can be transformed. We need to choose to depend on him as we move to obey him. We choose to depend on him as we move to obey him. It's this unstoppable partnership. A healthy will is the key to a healthy soul. A healthy will is the key to a healthy soul. This week we're focusing, last week remember we focused on our body. The whole first week of the journal focused on physical health. This week we're focusing on the health of our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you probably already recognize the importance of mental health, right? And emotional health. You've heard of those and recognize they're important. But do you know that having a healthy will is just as important, probably more important? Because if you don't have a healthy will, you can't make the choices that are good for your mind and your emotions. We need to have a healthy will. There's this there's this, uh, we're going to share a nursery rhyme. Remember, does anybody remember I used to teach kindergarten? <laughs> so here's a little taste for my kindergarten days. This is a nursery rhyme. Do you have that? About the best six doctors. Has anybody heard of the best six doctors? All right. The best six doctors anywhere, and no one can deny it, are sunshine, water, rest, and air, exercise, and diet. These six will gladly you attend if only you are willing. Your mind, they'll ease. Your will, they'll they'll mend and charge you not a shilling. So you probably, when you look at those six things, let's go back to the one before so we can see those six things. Thank you. All right, so sunshine. Does anybody feel better when the sun is shining? Does anybody feel better when you're out in natural sunlight rather than artificial indoor light? Yes, we know that sunshine is good for us. And water, when we get enough water, when we drink enough water, even when we're out by the water at a beach or looking at a lake or looking at an ocean, how it's incredibly healing to our emotions. It's incredibly calming. Rest. Uh, All right, what did I miss here? Sunshine, water, rest, and something's wrong there. Air, okay. Air exercise, and diet. So we all know these things are good for us. And you probably, have you heard the seventh one? Does anybody know what the seventh best doctor is? Some people have added to it. Do you know what it is? God, well, that's true. He's actually the number one. But a lot of times you'll hear the seven best doctors and it's these six. Um, and, that, and laughter. Laughter is the seventh one. And actually laughter is one of the best known painkillers There's actually a man who was in so much pain because of something that he, some um, illness that he had that no pain medications were helping him. And he actually had them bring uh, comedy movies to the hospital. And he just watched them over and over, back to back, and just laughed and laughed and laughed as much as he could. And that helped his pain more than anything else. Isn't that amazing? Laughter is another. So, but here's the thing. It's one thing to know these things. It's another thing to be able to choose them to have a healthy will. 
to have a healthy will that says, I'm going to choose the things that bring health. Now, we, we were watching, has anybody seen Everybody Loves Raymond? Okay, the kids and I, Dan and I and the kids were watching Everybody Loves Raymond about a week ago, and there was an episode where Deborah's parents announced to her that they were getting a divorce. And she was devastated. She was so upset by this. And Ray kept laughing at her. And he was trying not to, but he couldn't help it. And she just kept getting more and more upset. And finally, she just stomped out of the room. And the next scene shows her sitting at the kitchen table with an open half gallon of ice cream and a bag of cookies. And she's scooping the cookies into the ice cream and just cramming it into her mouth. Why? Because she's upset. And so she's turning to something that's going to bring some comfort. And I understand this. I have been there. When my, when my nephew died at nine years old, he was hit by a car while riding his bike. So, you know, it was out of the blue. All of a sudden, we get this call. And it, it just is, some of you know that heartache. Some of you have experienced that, where all of a sudden, the loss is just so overwhelming and so heartbreaking, and you just don't know how to deal with it. And I just spent days and days and days just crying and grieving and heartbroken. And then one day I got up and I went to the freezer and I got some ice cream. I scooped myself a bowl of ice cream and I went and sat on the back porch and started eating that ice cream. And Libby, who was almost four, came over and she put her hand on my leg and she said, does that make you feel better? And I said, you know what? <laughs> it kind of does. And I'm not saying we can never do that. I'm not saying that you should never. I mean, sometimes when you're in the throes of grief, you need something pleasant, a moment of something pleasant to enjoy to help pull you out of that. But when it becomes your go-to over and over and over and over again, day after day after day after day, when you're turning to those things, instead of turning to God, it ends up backfiring and the thing you're turning to for comfort is actually keeping you from flourishing. So the key to having a healthy soul is having a healthy will. So first we're going to look at an example. We're going to look at an example from scripture of a healthy soul and an unhealthy soul. So Psalm 42 Verse 5, the psalmist says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is a healthy will that says, Yes, I am discouraged. Things are not going well. I'm upset. Things are bad, but I'm going to speak to my soul and I'm going to tell my soul, you put your hope in God. Don't fix your eyes on the circumstances. You put your hope in God and you praise God. That's an example of a healthy will. Now I'm going to give you an example of an unhealthy will. You ready for this? An unhealthy will. Also from Psalms, Psalm 78, verses 17 and 18. So this is when the Israelites are in the wilderness. God had freed them from the land of slavery. 
He took them out of hundreds of years of slavery, set them free miraculously. He was providing for all their needs. He gave them water. He gave them food. He gave them his presence, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And the Israelites' response was this, but they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert or rebelling in the wilderness against the most high. They willfully, say willfully, put God to the test by demanding the food that they craved. This is an unhealthy will demanding what I crave. I demand what I crave. I don't care about what God has provided for me. I don't care what's good for me. I don't care that he's provided a huge array of vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds and eggs and animals that I can enjoy that are good for my health. I demand the food that my body craves. I demand, and it's not just food, whatever our bodies crave. So the flesh, the Bible says the flesh is in opposition to the spirit. What is the flesh? The flesh is our appetites and desires that are not in submission to God. Now, our appetites and desires are good. They are gifts from God. We are supposed to have appetites and desires. We're not supposed to be like just this wishy-washy, I don't care about anything, I don't want anything, blah kind of life. No, we're supposed to have appetites and desires, but they're supposed to be submitted to God. Our flesh is, the, is those appetites and desires when they are not in submission to God. We have an example of that, remember, in Adam and Eve, God told them to eat of all of this fruit. Eating is good, this is what you should do, but when they came out of submission, and fulfilled their appetites and desires outside, that's the flesh. That's sin that keeps us from flourishing. Now, in, in your journals, on day 11, we're not there yet. We're only on day 7. But on day 11, you're going to read a scripture verse from Philippians 4, 8 through 9, that says, it gives you a list of things, and it says, think about these things. These are the things, the things that are excellent, the beautiful, praiseworthy. Think about these things. You have to make a choice. You have to set your mind to think about these things. And then the question the journal asks here is, do you control your thoughts or do your thoughts control you? Do you control your thoughts or do your thoughts control you? It's the same with our emotions. Do you control your emotions or do your emotions control you? Your emotions are a gift from God, just like your brain is a gift from God, your mind, your ability to think and reason. That's a gift from God. But when it comes out of alignment, then it becomes dangerous, then it becomes harmful. But when it's submitted to God, it's good. So do you control your thoughts? Do you control your emotions or do they control you? A healthy will is the key to a healthy soul. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Do you take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ? 
Or do you just let your thoughts push you around and control you and tell you the way it's going to be? No, we have to have a healthy will that takes those thoughts captive, makes them obedient to Christ. Now, a healthy will, you may agree with me and say, okay, I get it. You know, we, you've probably heard of strong-willed and weak-willed people. So a strong-willed person is somebody who, who is, you're not going to push them around, right? They're stubborn. They're going to dig their heels in whether they should or shouldn't. They have a strong will. A weak-willed person is somebody who's easy to push around, who kind of goes with the flow, who doesn't really take a stand for things, you know. Um, but we're not just talking about strong-willed and weak-willed here. We're talking about a healthy will and an unhealthy will. But in order to have a healthy will, you have to know what a healthy will is. What is a healthy will? That's the first question we need to answer. What is a healthy will? Jesus shows us when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, do you remember what he said? He's facing crucifixion. He's facing greater pain than any of us could ever possibly imagine. But he says this, Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What is a healthy will? A healthy will is a will that is surrendered to God. That's what it is. It is a will that is surrendered to God. That's a healthy will. That's the first step to having a healthy soul. The second question we need to ask is, how do we get a healthy will? We know that a healthy will is a surrendered will, but how do we get a healthy will? Psalm 51 verse 12 says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. How do we get a healthy will? We have to ask God for it. Stop trying to do it all on your own. You have to ask God, God, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me every single day. God, help me to make good choices. Help me to make right choices. Help me to have a healthy will that allows me to flourish. We have to ask for it. And the third question we have to ask is, what does a healthy will look like? How can we tell if we have a healthy will? If we examine our lives, how can we tell if we have a healthy will? And this is from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Now remember, the flesh is our sinful nature that's in opposition to the Holy Spirit, our sinful nature that's not submitted to God, our, our appetites and desires that are not, that's our flesh. So Romans 8, starting in verse 5, says this, for those who live according to the flesh, those, those unsubmitted desires, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Set their minds. It's an act of their will. They choose. Do you ever set a washing machine or set a dishwasher? You, you have to, it's an action, right? The same way when we set our minds, it's an action. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Sounds like flourishing, right? Life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So a healthy will that's key to a healthy soul is a will that is surrendered to God. And we have to ask God for it. And we can evaluate our lives. Look at Galatians chapter 5 this week. In the end of that chapter, it talks about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And look through that list and say, hmm, am I prone to fits of rage? Where does that fall? Is that flesh or spirit? Am I prone to being argumentative and divisive? Hmm, is that flesh or spirit? Am I prone to pleasing my, my flesh through food or through sex or through video games or through social media? Is that spirit or flesh? Look at your finances. Are you drowning in debt because you cannot be patient and wait for the things that you want? Is that flesh or is that spirit? Start to evaluate, am I walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit? And then ask God, Lord, grant me a willing spirit. Help me to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now, when I was at the end of my pregnancy with Zach, I was, I was due in about two days. I didn't know that it was going to be almost two more weeks before I actually had him. But I was due in about two days. I was trying to run some errands, and I went to TJ Maxx. And I'm standing in line waiting to return something at TJ Maxx. I want to try to get this taken care of before the baby's born. And I'm just standing there waiting. My back hurts. I was incredibly overweight. I'm like rocking back and forth, rubbing my sore stomach. Everything hurts. I can barely breathe. I'm like, it's almost, I'm walking, you know, it's almost my turn. Come on, just hang in there. And this lady walks in and cuts right in front of me and stands in front of me in line. And I was like, you ever feel like you can feel your temperature rise and your face just like, like almost like a cartoon, you can feel the red just coming up to your forehead, right? I felt that, that rage start to rise up within me. And like a good little Christian girl, I just stood there. I'm not going to say anything. I'll just wait my turn. And then for the next probably three or four hours, I set my mind on all the things I should have said to that woman. I set my mind and what a horrible person she is. And can't she see that I'm a thousand months pregnant and I'm about to collapse on the floor and she doesn't care about, and she can walk perfectly fine and she's not fat at all. She doesn't understand all of these things. I set my mind. How much joy do you think I had for the rest of the day? <laughs> Zero, no joy, no peace because I set my mind on the flesh like this miserable person. This is a very good test of whether you're walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit, how do you re react when things don't go your way? How do you react when you don't get something you deserve or you get something you don't deserve or somebody cuts you off or somebody's rude to you or somebody mistreats you? How do you respond? And then look at Galatians 5 and say, oh, is this flesh or is this spirit? And ask God, give me a willing spirit to make good choices 
that will help me to move on that upward spiral toward health in my whole body and mind and emotions and spirit. I want you to keep that in your mind this week, that a healthy will, one that is surrendered to God, is the key to a healthy soul. Now, we're going to take some time this morning and we're going to ask God. We're going to ask him to heal us. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward right now, actually. And I'm, as the prayer team comes forward, actually, if you're on the prayer team, I would like you to kind of stay over to the sides of the sanctuary. And if you would like prayer from somebody on the prayer team, you can go over to the sides of the sanctuary. And if you would just like prayer in general or would like to present yourself to Jesus, you can just move forward to the front of the altar. And we're going to have some music playing in a minute. And we're just going to spend some time asking God to sanctify us to completely. Remember, sanctified is to be holy, to be set apart, to be in a state of proper functioning. So I'm going to ask you this morning, before we come forward for prayer, I'm going to ask you to think about your physical health. Is my physical health in a state of proper functioning? If not, come ask for prayer. Then I want you to think about your soul. Is my mental health in a state of proper functioning? Is my emotional health in a state of proper functioning? Is my will in a state of proper functioning? Do I have a healthy will? If not, I would like you to come forward for prayer. And then I want you to think about your spirit. Is my spirit in a state of proper functioning? Do I have a healthy spirit? If not, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. And I want to, I'd like to ask everybody to stand up right now. think about just I don't want to rush here because I want I really want to give the Holy Spirit some time to move on our hearts God wants you to flourish he wants you to flourish in your body and your soul and your spirit he wants you to be sanctified completely completely set apart completely in a state of proper functioning so that you can flourish. This is how he's glorified. This is how we worship him. Who wants to worship and glorify and honor God today? Amen? We all do. We all do. We want to worship him. We want to glorify him. And when we choose to cooperate with him, when we choose to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to let you speak into my life. I'm going to let you tell me what I should start eating and what I should stop eating. I'm going to let you tell me how I can start to get more exercise and movement in my life. I'm going to let you tell me who I need to forgive. I'm going to let you tell me what I need to focus on in my mind 
in order to improve my mental health. I'm gonna let you tell me what things I need to step away from that are sucking my life away and what things I need to embrace so that I can be full of your spirit and so that I can flourish. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, we'll be quiet for, for just a few seconds here and just ask God to prick your heart. Ask God to show you what changes you need to make. If you want specific one-on-one prayer, you can come to any of the the prayer team over here on the sides and just come forward right now. I'm going to begin to pray over you and release the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus, we are not enough without you. We are not enough without you. Lord Jesus, we just invite your presence and invite your spirit here. Speak to us, Jesus. Move us. Pour out on our hearts. Lord, sanctify us completely. Sanctify us completely. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. We pray as you taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. This morning, we submit our will to you, and we commit whatever you put on our heart, Lord. We're listening to you. We're waiting on you. We're asking you. Give us a willing spirit. Give us direction. Show us what changes we need to make, and we are partnering our will with you, and we are committing to you that we will make those changes. We will walk in obedience to you, and we will rely on the power of your Holy Spirit to do that. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to worship and glorify you with our temple. And we thank you that as we do that, that you cause us to flourish as a result. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for all you've given us. And thank you for those of your children today who are committing to make changes, who are committing to submit their will to you, who are committing body and soul and spirit to be sanctified, to be renewed, to be transformed, and to flourish according to the way you designed us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I I just... I have so much hope for you. Even if you don't have hope for yourself today, I have so much hope for you because I've been low and I've seen the transformation. I've seen what God can do. And all it takes, you you know, you've heard that it takes a 
a mustard seed of faith. This is what Jesus said. It takes a mustard seed of faith. And you know how much faith it takes to just pray and ask God? That's about a mustard seed of faith, I would say. I would say if you are willing to ask, then you've got at least a mustard seed of faith. Amen? So let's ask. Let's ask. This week, every time we sit down to eat, let's remember the price that he made so that we can have life and have it abundantly. And let's ask him, Lord, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. And I just, I cannot wait to hear the testimonies. I mean, we're on day seven, guys, of 21 days. And if you haven't started yet, start today. Grab a journal, read through it. There are a lot of different modifications of things you can do if you don't want to do the full thing, or you can do more if you want to do more. Start now. It's not too late. Hop on board. And let's see God transform our lives. And then as he does that, he will flow through us to the community around us and begin to transform people around us, begin to transform your families and your communities and your workplaces. Amen. Join us on Monday nights. We have Encounter. Uh, and I this week at Encounter, I was going to pray this, and I chickened out that God would double our attendance at Encounter every single week until the end of this prayer and fasting. I'm praying God will double our attendance of people coming to experience him and to honor and glorify him. So come join us at 7 o'clock on Mondays right here. If you want to hop on the the Flourish crew on Thursday nights, you can come here at 5.30. We have a little meal together. You can come join the Flourish crew. If you want to come out at 8 o'clock in the morning, you can come. The the sanctuary will be open for prayer at 8 o'clock every morning on the weekday. We're here to partner with you and support you. And I just pray a blessing of God over your life and that these, the next 14 days would be transformational in your lives and that you would flourish in the name of Jesus. Can we just lift up a shout of praise before we leave this place? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you, we glorify you, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, for those of you who are ready to go, I release you to go. Grab a journal. For those of you who need to continue to pray, you can stay here and continue to pray. And we will see you.